0: Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome once again to the CMI School of Christ. And we're going to go ahead and continue with our class, The Great Mercy of God. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, we're still with the passage in Genesis, Genesis chapter 15, pretty much verses 1 through 4. And. You find it there. We are there. We go, and it's basically uh, where the first verse starts after these things. And I think um, we covered just that one phrase in, in a previous class: how that such and such happens, and then after these things, or there's an event. And then after these things, uh, and it's very significant. Uh, just with, I guess, in a, in a sense, really, it's 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 significant in being obedient unto the Lord, because that's usually when it, when it happens. When the Lord makes us obedient unto Him, to first turn to Him, then. Christ appears in the soul. And then that is the moment of new birth. The Lord, by His Holy Spirit, keeps on preparing the ground of our heart so that we can then hear His voice, hear the voice, the heavenly voice, just as John heard the voice that spake with him, to then where we can be obedient unto the voice and turn to see the voice that speaks with us, then we are obedient Unto the voice, and of course, when the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, and then the heavenly vision appears. Christ Himself appears where He is, and from that point on, we continue in the obedience of the heavenly vision, being obedient unto the heavenly vision. And that's actually uh, what Paul has, Paul had said in Acts chapter twenty six when he was uh, recounting the whole from beginning to end to King Agrippa, and then he sums it up with this. And King Agrippa, I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. He's basically saying, I continued obedient under the heavenly vision. And the heavenly vision, of course, is Christ himself. And I love the translation of the Syriac Peshitta that James Murdoch translated. And it says, basically, this, thy seen me, and thy seen me hereafter. Thy seen me, and thy seen from this moment onward. So the Lord does this in our heart. Uh, it is, I believe, His great mercy, His great and tender mercy and ever-abounding grace, that that we can be, that He has made us to be participants. of the heavenly calling. Active participants of the heavenly calling. And of course, I'm using the heavenly calling. Uh, that phrase, I'm looking at it specifically with uh, with Abram, where it says, where, uh, Stephen said, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abram. That's the call. Or that's his appearing, new birth. And basically uh, it says... Get out from unto a land I will show thee. That's the heavenly calling right there. Unto a land I will show thee. And once again, I think I covered it in our last class. The land that he shows is the land that is full, that is full of his glory. Okay, so uh, anyway, we're just going to go ahead and continue here. And I'll read uh, Genesis chapter 15. I'll just go ahead and read maybe one through four or five. Yeah, I think one through verses one through four. Let me just mark it here to be more specific. All right. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not Abram, I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. And I think in one of the, Previous classes I covered. Here's yet another appearing of the Lord, and this is the. I've got my little. I'm working on a little graph here, and I'll. When we eventually, when the Lord brings an end to this particular series, uh, I'll post it. I'll have it posted there on the internet. Uh, this is the fourth time the Lord appears. It is the third time the Lord appears in the land. The third time he appears in the land. And really all in really in all all truth, I think I may have had it on the last diagram from the last class, in all truth, all it is is a continuation or is a continuing of the appearing of the same Lord. So the Lord when when Abram comes to the land and the Lord appears in Shechem, he appears the second, because the first time he appears, he appears in uh, Ur of the Chaldees. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abram. He appears the first, and I've been likening that. I've been um, just relating that as a new birth. And then here, once Abram finally makes his journey into the land, uh, the Lord appears the second. Because we know he doesn't appear in Haran. Haran is where Abram hears the voice of the Lord. So he appears the second in, in Shechem and basically he just continues to appear where he is. And it's all it is is a greater, a magnifying of the one who's present in the land. And a magnifying in our sight, in our in our hearts, in our soul of the one who already fills and who is present, currently present in the land, the soul from the moment of of new birth. Since the moment of new birth. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. I mean, so let me put that right there. <clears throat> uh, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield, thy exceedingly great reward." And Abram said, "Lord, well." Right there with with that verse, with that verse one, I know that we've covered it several times, but it's made real clear I am thy shield. Excuse me. And uh, different commentators say that the Lord at that particular time uh, makes this reassurance to Abram, because this is, of course, after the defeat of the four kings and. Basically, Abram, the commentators say that Abram could have been troubled, thinking that, okay, now they're going to regroup and come and come after me. Me who am not even a king, you know, I just kind of went to basically save Lot. <clears throat> and, uh, so that's, that's kind of what the commentators say, that, that Abram's heart was, was, uh, a bit, Uneasy, unsettled. and The Lord came to reassure him. Well, okay. Yeah, it, it, could, it could definitely mean that. I mean, it, the Scripture doesn't fully explain exactly what it means. But the way I think I've, I've shared it in this class is uh, because it goes on. I'm thy shield, thy seemingly great reward. I'm thy protector. I'm the one who keeps you. Unto myself, unto the the great um, reward, the treasure. I am the one who keeps. I am the one who keeps you unto the greater. Because remember, right before that, uh, the king of Babylon wanted to offer him the riches of Babylon. And Abram was like, no, you will not enrich me. I will not be enriched by you. No. No. So he refused that which was not of this, the riches found in the land. And then the Lord just basically makes it clear. I am thy reward. I am the great riches. Okay. So verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God, What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And I'll just go ahead and just stop right there for right now. Uh, There's just one main thing. It's funny how I say that. That's going on in Abram's heart. Uh, He's continued in the appearing of the Lord. He has, in fact, continued in the purpose for which God had called him from the beginning. In the first place, he continues in the will of God, and he continues obedient unto the heavenly vision. The the key term is he continues. And as he continues walking in faith, walking in the light of the countenance of the Lord, because remember he continues in the appearing of the Lord. As he continues in the appearing of the Lord, as he continues in the will of God, in the purpose of God, as he continues in the truth, all these terms you can you can just sum them up as he continues, because remember at At the point where uh, Lot separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, Okay, Abram, now lift up thine eyes. And remember, that was another uh, after that, just like in verse 1 of uh, Genesis chapter 15. But he says, Lift up thine eyes. Look now from the uh, north, south, the east to west. Behold, the land I give it unto thee and to thy seed forever, as an inheritance, forever. And he says, Walk through the land, walk the length, the breadth, the width, the height. Walk the land, the entirety of the land. Walk. Don't just stay in one spot, or uh, camp out in one area, but walk the whole entirety of the land. Walk the borders of the land. Walk throughout the land. And we know that all there is to see throughout the land is the one who is in the land, the one who is in the midst. The Lord Himself. Because once again, even when uh, Abram was in Haran, the Lord repeats uh, the same purpose for which He called Him in the first place, for which He appeared in the first place, the same calling get out from thy kindred. from, from thy country, thy kindred, uh, from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. And when he comes into the land, what God shows is himself. So, Abram is to continue in the appearing of the Lord. And see, that's, that's key right there, the term continue. It's not, this is not a, uh, a teaching, a message. Now, man is prone to make it into a teaching, into a message. Man is prone to, you know, even, even after he's born again and has not continued in purpose, says, oh, he takes this experience, this true miracle of God that happened. And he says, oh, it's all, it's all about just getting out of Ur, being born again. And yet never having come, never continuing on to the purpose for which God called in the first place, to the purpose for which God appeared in the first place. But I think I, I mentioned it. yeah, a man tries to capsulate it, you know, capture it, make it his. Well, what happens at that point, it indeed becomes his. It becomes his theology. It becomes his understanding. it becomes his wisdom. It becomes his concept. It becomes his teaching. It becomes his message. And see, anything that is mine, and please, please, please note this, I'm not playing with words. Anything that is mine is not the Lord's. I'll use it this way with a diagram. Anything that is mine, the square, is not the Lord's, the perfect eternal circle. Okay? If it's mine, it's not the Lord's. But if it's His, it's not mine. And once again, I'm not playing with words. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> Man will never be God. I, you, will never be God. Christ is God in our soul. He is present. It's the same deception that came to them in the in the garden. You can be like God. You know, if you eat of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can be like God. And they saw it was pleasing to the eyes. No, no. See there's there's the enemy will just kind of like overlap things, muddy, muddy, muddy the waters, make it gray. Well, with the Lord, there is no gray. It's either Christ or it's not. It's cut and dry. It's either the sun or not. It's, it's very definite. It's very definite with the Lord. Okay? We will never be like God. Now, we can, those who are born again be governed by the life that is present in the soul. We can, those of us who are born again, be governed by, listen to the way I say this, our life, who is Christ. We can, those of us who are born again, be governed by him who is our life, Christ himself. But we will never be like God. No. No. It's it's, it's a deception of the enemy. That's why the beautiful confession of Paul, and he only makes his confession after that God reveals His Son in him, and out from that one revealing, and continual excuse me for my words, continual revealing of that same exact one Son. Everything that is done then. It is not I but Christ in me. Everything that is said is, is not my words, but Christ in me. It's the crucified life. right Not I but other. And that's at the moment of new birth. That's the change. Not I but Christ. We're just ignorant of the change because we're ignorant of the one who's present. Therefore, we're ignorant of the life that's present. We're ignorant of the wisdom that's present. We're ignorant of the love that's present. We're ignorant of the peace that's present. We're ignorant of the righteousness that's present. And on and on and on the list goes. But why? Because we are ignorant of the Son of God who is present in the midst of the soul, who fills the entirety of the land. All right. So, back to our... Our passage here, and as I stated with with Paul, uh, because God revealed His Son in Paul, then Paul confesses in Galatians two twenty. He says, "I am crucified with Christ, uh, nevertheless live. I live, yet not I, but Christ who liveth in me." Okay, so. Let's see. In uh, verse 2 of, of Genesis chapter 15, it says, And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? Let me just go ahead and pull up that word real quick. Yeah. And that that word... Uh, childless is uh, Strong's number 6185. It's something like Ari Arerii. Forgive me from my pronunciation. Uh, and it's from Strong's number 6209. I'm just reading the Strong's uh, Hebrew dictionary. It says bear. That is destitute of children. Childless. But what I want us to pay really close attention to is that that term childless ariri something like that is it's an adjective adjective masculine singular masculine and singular and that's really what's on my heart during this time masculine singular And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless. No seed. Singular. <clears throat> and this is just one of the... And you can search it out in a, in a Bible program, even Bible app program. And just check that out. It's masculine and it's singular. And I think... That's that, I'll put it this way, ignorance of the singleness of Christ. The one who is in the midst, the one whose glory fills the land is, I would say, The majority of all, if not all, of a believer's um, problems or whatever—I know I'm not saying it right—but all things. Let me let me try to clarify this. All things that uh, upset the soul, that upset the heart, that uh, make the soul, that make the heart, that make the soul. Unsure about the Lord stems from an ignorance of the singularity of the one Son. Stems from an ignorance of the singularity of the one Son who fills the earth. Christ is the glory of God. We read it in one of our last classes, Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. The whole earth, land, same term, is full of his glory. Fills the soul. The heart and soul are just ignorant of the one who fills. Okay? And see this is Genesis 15:2, but I want us to just look at this verse right here, and I'm going to use this as as an example. Because here's the issue. Here's the great um, disruption in our hearts and in our souls that keeps us, listen to this, that keeps us not at rest. That keeps us not in God's rest. Okay? And I'll... I'll go ahead and read this. Uh, Galatians. I know you already know this passage. It's Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. It says this right here. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Okay. Okay. And you say, well, okay, Jimmy, that's great. Why would you read that? Uh, You can read commentators on that one passage. And what they they say is uh, what what Paul is doing is that he's taking one of the common uh, modes or methods of persuasive um, argument or persuasive debate that the Pharisees used to do, the way they would study the scriptures and use them in, in debate. Okay. And they say, pointing out the singleness of the seed. And I want you to think about this by, by doing that during that time, Paul, but think about this. Think about the time before Paul was Paul. Let's go a little earlier, you know, when he was Saul of Tarsus, when he was wasting the church, when he believed he was serving the Lord, serving God, doing what he believed to be, according to the scripture, correct. What was happening is that he, like the Pharisees of Jesus's time, saw themselves, themselves, plural, as the seed. The seed to inherit the land. And see, at that point, I know that they were looking at a natural piece of land and saying, yes, we are the seed. And God, yes, God did and does use Israel as a testimony of His Son, Coming and filling the land. Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Israel is that son. Okay? But see, it's something greater than a natural piece of land. It's something greater than a natural piece of real estate. It's the very soul of man himself. God created the soul of man for one purpose for the appearing of his son, to be the inheritance of his son. Christ Himself, Alright? Now, first of all, sorry, I've got I've got like several different things, you know, with my notes going on here. Um, first of all, God the Father creates the soul. God creates the soul. So, by right of being its creator, the soul is His. He's the creator of it. It's His. It's his by right as being creator. Well, he gives it to his son, singular, as an inheritance to go take possession of that which is rightfully his and none else's. And see, that's the thing with with an inheritance. If there is no son in the family then the inheritance has to go to some other, and that's the way it was with the with the Hebrew um, and not only the Hebrews but other uh, ancient customs during that time and we'll see with I think it's like verse three basically if if there is no son to be the heir, then the highest ranking servant in the house then becomes the heir so All this is going through Abram's mind when he's speaking to the Lord. Not only that, but there's something governing of the Lord in Abram's heart at this moment. Because he brings the whole issue of a seed singular and the inheritance. Once again, the verse... And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? Singular, no seed. No son. Destitute of child. And I say child because it is singular. It's a, sing- it's a singular um, Masculine, singular. No seed, no son. What, what will you give me? And then I'll just go ahead and continue on with verse three. And Abram said, uh, behold, to me thou hast given no seed. Once again, masculine, singular, specifically seed. And lo, one born in mine house is mine, in my house is mine heir. That's just the customs of the times, how, how they would be. Now, once again, <clears throat> Paul makes it really clear in Galatians 3.16 that we just read a while ago. Not uh, and unto Abraham and not seeds as in many, but seed, uh, uh, seed singular, even Christ. Okay? Now, before that, before, before Paul was born again, Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Jew. Hebrew of the Hebrews. Studied the scriptures. And in his mind, in his mind, what governed, we are the seed. The inheritance is ours. Because once again, and I'll just make mention of it, because I've got it later on in the notes, but Jesus made mention of this to the Pharisees with a parable he said, you know, there was a vine dresser. He planted a vineyard and uh, basically had uh, some vine dressers tend to it. And then at the time of uh, in its season or something like that, I know I'm not specifically, I'm paraphrasing here. In, in its season, he sent uh, servants to go um, receive of the fruits thereof, something like that. And he says, Uh, You know, they beat some. They stoned some. Others they killed. And then it says this. And finally... And I'll just... I'll just read that one particular verse. Because I I like the way it says it. Like I said, I'm not... You can probably search this out. You can probably search this out, but uh, I'm not giving the whole passage here. It's it's in uh, Mark because I do have it further on in in the notes. Um, Let's see. Okay, this is like verse six. Having yet, therefore, one son, his well beloved. Go ahead and look at that. Whoops. Forgive me, it wasn't Matthew, it was Mark. I may have said it wrong. Masculine, singular. Having yet, therefore, one son. The exact same thing that, uh, that Abram was saying, Lord, what do you give me seeing how I go childless without child, without, without a single son, without one son? I'll just leave the scriptures open right there. <clears throat> His well-beloved at that, Jesus himself, He sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. They will respect my son. Yeah, they will regard my son. They will respect my son. Verse 7. But those husbandmen said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. And the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. This is the heir. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. This is the one who's claiming that the inheritance is his. Let's kill him. We are the heir. Do you see the the conflict that could that could have been happening in the heart of Saul of Tarsus? For one, even after even after um, after the birth of the church, after the the birth of the body of Christ from the day of Pentecost, even after that time, Paul was wasting the church because the church had the true heir in the midst, Christ himself, the true son. And they were testifying of that one single heir, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. This was their testimony. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Everywhere they preached uh, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. The one son. The one son of God. And that infuriated like all Jews, especially, well, you know, Paul, because no, I am the heir. The inheritance is mine. And the reason why I just state all this and just how beautifully the Lord uh, worked in the heart of Saul and then continued to work as Paul and as Paul continued obedient under the heavenly vision, Paul can, without reservation, without... Envy, without jealousy, declare now the one Son, the one Seed, the one Heir of God as being Christ Himself. And all that came from when God first revealed His Son in Paul. And as Paul continued in that same revealing As Paul continued in that same appearing, "This I seen me, and I seen me hereafter." And uh, yeah, that's what that's what uh, what was declared to him. And before, and what I just quoted was Acts chapter twenty-six, verse sixteen. And before that, you know, we know Saul of Tarsus was wasting the church and wasting the church. And then Jesus says. Uh, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Um, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. But stand, arise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to constitute thee a minister and a witness of this. Thy seeing me, and have thy seen me hereafter. Thy seen me, and have thy seen me from this moment onward. And glory to God. Paul continued in the great and tender mercy of God and ever abounding grace of God. He continued obedient unto the heavenly vision. And that's what he confessed to uh, King Agrippa. King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but I continued obedient, continued obedient in the appearing of the one same son. The singular, singular. And I mention all these things because until in God's tender mercy and ever-abounding grace, He reveals that one single Son in our heart, in our soul, then we will try to take what belongs rightfully to Him, try to take it unto our own. All right, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Christ is the righteousness of a believer. God does not make a believer righteous. At the moment of new birth, God has given unto the believer the Son, who is the righteousness of God. Then why do we try to become righteous? Because we are ignorant of the righteousness that is present. The righteousness of God, who is Christ himself. Can, can, you, see, can you see that? Um, another term. I'll just, all these terms of the scriptures define their full and perfect meaning in the person of Christ himself, in the Son of God himself. Love. Until God reveals His Son in the heart and the soul as the substance of the term love, then we will, excuse me, we will without doubt try to be more loving. So that we, using our diagram again, the square, so that we, so that I, more specifically I, I, God can make I more loving. God doesn't make I more loving. At the moment of new birth, God gives his son, who is the love of God. The problem arises in the heart because of ignorance of the son who is present who is the love of God one in, in with one uh, with, with an example with with one situation it's me trying to to be the love of God or trying to be loving like God versus God revealing His Son who is love and me finding my rest in Him. My soul coming to rest in Him and thus declaring in the scene of the Son, it is not I, but Christ who lives in me? It is not my righteousness, but Christ who is my righteousness. It is not my love, but Christ who is the love of God in me. And I, I hope you, I hope you can see the difference, because with us, with, with man, it's <laughs> this is funny, but it's really true. With man, it is always plural. Do you remember in Ur of the Chaldees, uh, Ur, uh, Mesopotamia, our father dwelt in. I'm quoting Acts chapter seven. Our father dwelt in Mesopotamia, where the God of glory appeared unto our father when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. Well, in Ur, there were I think the words polytheistic, something like that. They worshipped many gods, many deities, many. Many things, very religious, many altars. But with God, there's only one. Jesus said it this way, I and my father are one. And that upset the Jews. So much so they wanted to stone him. But they feared the multitude, so they didn't. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one that separates huge division okay but see abram then when he was in haran when he dwelt in haran he was ignorant of the one who appeared from the beginning therefore he still continued governed by The many. And the many are just the concepts. Okay? I'll bring it up to the day of today. There are many terms in the scriptures. And so that's why uh, we end up seeing the many things, uh, plural, and we try to, uh, what's the word, apply them to ourselves. Gain, here's another term, attributes of God unto ourselves. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. No, 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 no. With God, it's singular. And everything else is an imposter. And you can say, well, well, well God, I'm, I'm being more righteous. I'm trying to be more righteous like you. And the Lord's response is very simple. Your righteousness is like a filthy rag to me. Your righteousness righteousness is like a menstrual rag to me. That's what he's saying. Because there's no relationship going on. There's no fruit going on. With God, it's always singular. It's always one. With man, it's many. The things. But with God, it's not a thing. With God... It is his son, a person. And so when we find all these terms in the scripture and we, we pray, God, make me more loving. Because I read about, you know, how, how you loved so-and-so or such-and-such. Make me more loving, all the while being ignorant of the love of God that is present. We see uh, the term righteousness and those who are righteous in the scripture. And we say, God, make me more righteous or help me to be more righteous. All the while ignorant of the righteousness of God that is present. And see, the Lord knows that until he reveals his son, these concepts, yeah, once again, uh, I think I mentioned in our last class the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, and all the otherites that are there that are there in the land. They're just the, they're just the concepts, the concepts that we bring over, the concepts of what we believe to be God, the concepts of what concepts of what we believe to be our relationship with God, basically is what it's what it's what man thinks it's what continues. It is what still continues to govern the heart and soul of man. Until God, in his great and tender mercy and ever-abounding grace, brings the heart, prepares the ground of the heart, that it may turn unto the Lord and continue in the purpose for which it was called. The appearing of the Lord in the land. Once again, uh, with Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of the body. Today, uh, this day, I will begin to magnify the head in the sight of the body. And what happens until that moment? We'll just go ahead and read this uh, passage. <clears throat> This is, uh, this, this will be out of 1 Peter, chapter 2, we'll start with verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or not be put to shame. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. And the unto you, therefore, are those who are born again and are those who are continuing in the purpose for which God created the soul. Let me go on and read. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. And see, that's the thing. That's why I have to. That's why I say that, and I'll even pause right here. Until God reveals His Son in the heart, then unto us His body He is not precious. Now we we say we say He is, uh, and, and we we love Jesus with with as much as we can. But see, there's a great, and this this will prove it right here. There's a great distinct dis there is a great what's the word distinction between the vessel and the treasure. The vessel, the earthen, earth, earthen vessel will always be an earthen vessel, and the treasure will always be What is of value? Think of this uh, treasure chest. Now, you can read a book, you can watch a movie, and you already know what I'm talking about because you have an idea, an understanding of, of, of what I'm about to say here. If you're walking along and you stumbled upon a treasure chest... You would get so excited. You would. But it would not be based on the fact that you came upon a chest, but upon the fact that you know that there's treasure inside. So in effect, your excitement is for the treasure. Well, it's an expectation. That is the way it should be in our hearts. An expectation for the treasure specific him. But see, we, we confuse all these terms and we try to apply them to the vessel. Make the vessel more loving. It's an earthen vessel vessel. Make the vessel more righteous. It's a vessel of mercy prepared beforehand unto glory. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Singular. Singular. And see, now I I know this. Well, am I not special? Do you see what I mean? Do you see how it rises up in us? What do you mean I'm not special? Or, look at this verse, what do you mean I am not the apple of His eye? It's so funny, I I watched the movie, and I know I'm running out of time here. I watched the movie, uh, the Lego movie, I think it was, with my nephew, and the whole theme throughout the movie was the special, the special will come. The One will come and He will be the special. And in the movie, everyone was trying to be the special. (laughs) With God, there's one. There is one apple of His eye. It's not me. It's not you. It is His Son. It is His Son. To find all things in the person of His Son. But see, that won't be precious to us. That will never be precious unto us until God reveals his son in our heart. Until that moment, then we say, no, I am the heir. And once again, we are just, you know, continuing with our passage with Abram. We're, we are looking at the mercy of God uh, with the walk of Abram. Until God in His tender mercy and ever-abounding grace, reveals His Son in our soul, those who are born again in in the heart and soul of those who are born again, then we will try to take the all things of God and apply them unto ourselves. Like, I am dear. Me too. Me. Me when right here in this passage there was something governing the heart of abram something of god do you see because abram also is a type of god the father all that all that the father has is mine and all that is mine is thine can't can you hear even jesus with the passage it's all Right here with Abram speaking to the Lord. What will you give me? Seeing I go childless. The father creator of the land, creator of the soul by his. It is his by right of creation. And yet he gives what is his unto his son as an inheritance. So now we have Abram. What good is this inheritance except there be a son to inherit inherit it there must be a son all right back to um, uh, where were we first uh, Peter chapter 2 verse uh, like six 6 through 10. Wherefore also uh, is contained in the scripture Behold, I lay in Zion, Zion uh, chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient. The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble. At the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvellous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now, but now have obtained mercy. Right here. And see, that's the thing. Until when it comes down to it, until God the Father reveals the Son in the soul of the one who's born again, Christ will become unto us a rock of offense. We will try to take that which is His and apply it unto ourselves. The inheritance is unto the seed. Remember, uh, the Lord spoke to Abram and He says, Uh, The whole land I give it unto thee, the Father, and unto thy seed, singular Christ, after thee, forever. And there you have the perfect picture. So when Abram is bringing it before the Lord, what will you give me? What wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. There is no seed. There is no son. Singular, singular. So then it must go to another. But God the Father has one son. And the inheritance goes to that one son. And we are, those who are born again, to find in that one son everything of God, but it's all found in the one son. I'm just thinking right now, just thinking ahead uh, with Abram. Remember when when Abram had uh, Ishmael and Isaac, and then the Lord said, the Lord comes and says, "Okay, take now thy son, thine." Only Isaac. One son. Singular. The singularity of Christ. Not the plurality. Listen. Not the plurality of man. But the singularity. The singleness of Christ. The singleness of one. And it's always one. And see, the Holy Spirit, He will go and gather the fragments. All of the fragments of the scripture, all the terms, all the stories, all the sentences, all the words, all the paragraphs, all the chapters, all the books, He will gather all the fragments and present them in our soul. Or, let me say, sorry, I got ahead of myself. He will gather all the fragments To draw the attention of our heart, the full attention of our heart, and place the full attention of our heart upon the person of Christ himself. When the heart turns to the Lord, the Father himself presents all the fragments summed up in the person of one son, his very own son. Presents all the testimony, all the fragments gathered up and presents them as being the substance. Excuse me, I said it wrong. And presents Christ, the one Son, as being the substance of all the fragments. There we go. He always does this, continually doing this in our hearts and souls. And the effects, the results of that, the whole land begins to be governed by the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters fill the sea. The whole land begins to be governed by the reign of Solomon, the true, the greater than Solomon, the true king of peace. The true king of righteousness with Melchizedek. The true priest of the Most High God. So, I know we've run out of time. But there's just a singleness with God the Father concerning His Son. There's a singleness with the Son. And Abram does recognize that. What do you give me, seeing I go childless? I do not have a single son. And as we look at it, it's a a term that's masculine and singular. Okay. So, I'll let you go for this class. Uh, We'll see you in our next class, and we'll just continue in these passages. Um, and forgive me that I did go over a little bit, but I think I went over last class a little more, but that's all right. but um, anyway, well, we'll see you in our next class. the Lord bless and let's just continue crying out to the Lord that he, and praying crying out, praying that he would, continue by His Spirit, preparing the ground of our heart, and even with these studies, preparing the ground of our heart, the ground of our soul, for an appearing of His single one Son, that in Him we may find all there is to find in the land. Amen? Amen. We'll see you in our next class. The Lord bless. Amen.